Hello and welcome back to the Below the Bleachers podcast. I am your host, Emmett Demelo. We have a ton of great topics on the slate today. Let's dive right into it for episode four. Starting off with the Texas Rangers. Starter Max Scherzer, who was recently traded from the Mets to the Rangers, was diagnosed with a shoulder injury and he will be out for the rest of the year. This is a huge huge blow to the Rangers rotation. They've already lost Jacob deGrom and will now be leaning on Jordan Montgomery as well as Dane Dunning and Nathan Eovaldi throughout the playoff push. They are fighting in the AL West along with the Astros and Mariners. Recently, the Rangers got on a hot streak, but time will tell if they can keep it up without their top pitcher. Moving on to the Atlanta Braves who just clinched the NL East Division crown. They will win a first round bye in the playoffs this year. They win the division over the Phillies, Marlins, Nationals, and Mets. Recent news out of the way. Let's dive into the main segment for this episode. So over the next two weeks, I'm going to be going over some disappointing teams and players and some players that have really surprised the league and taken the league by storm for sure. This week, I do want to go over some teams, some players that have really just been a huge disappointment this year. Now, when I say disappointment, I don't mean they were just flat out bad. There are some players on this list who have had pretty solid seasons, not great, but they have not lived up to the expectations that were set for themselves or the team. I've got a couple players, a couple teams. Let's dig into it. Starting off in Houston. This has been probably the most disappointing player this year. He's even got a chance for worse performance. But he has picked it up lately. Let's talk about Jose Abreu, the first baseman. At the beginning of the year, he signed a three-year, $58 million contract with Houston after the Astros lost Yuli Gurriel to free agency to Miami. Abreu projected to be an all-star this year and help Houston with their World Series ambitions trying to go back-to-back. Just one problem with Abreu, though, or I guess many. This has probably been his worst season of his career. He has a negative 0.8 war, which is wins above replacement. That is career low. A 128 ISO rating, which is isolated power. That is a career low. A 238 batting average, also a career low. He has his highest soft hit rate since 2016, up to 20%. That is high numbers for soft hits. He is not hitting the ball hard. He has his lowest hard hit rating in his career sitting just at 25%. That is 10% down from what it was last year, 20% from three years ago when he won the MVP in the shortened 2020 season. He is just not connecting with the baseball at the plate. He is an offensive player. He doesn't play great defense, which is fine at first base. It's pretty easy to manage. However, his offense has been horrible. It's been bad. Only 26 barrels... This year, the average in the league is 40. 
14 below average rough numbers for a first baseman who, like I said, three years ago, he was an MVP. He should have been an all-star this year if he kept up that pace. He was an all-star last year as well. But he just slumped right out of the gate through May, through June. It wasn't until late July when he started to hit the ball at least a little hard, and he's still technically slumping. This has just been a rough season for Jose Abreu. I don't see him picking it up. The Astros have tried different situations at first. They've brought a couple infielders over. Mauricio Dubon is one of them. They've tried a couple outfielders there. Chas McCormick is one of them. But Jose Abreu, in a team that doesn't have a lot of first base depth, is supposed to be a guy that can really handle the position and hit for them, which is what they need after they lost a pretty good hitter in Yuli Gurriel. But he is just not making up for any of it, and that is why he is on this list as a disappointing player. Let's go to a different team. Like I said at the top of this segment, disappointing does not mean bad, and I think that fits perfectly for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., of the Toronto Blue Jays. Vladdy came into this year needing to help the Blue Jays back up the division. They have a lot of competition in the AL East, and he has not lived up to the billing that he has looked for in the past. The Blue Jays have really needed a guy to help them get over the hump. They've been good as a team, and Vladdy has been solid as a guy. But they just need a star, a true star, like MVP, to get over the hump. And they don't have that. Vladdy has a .7 war, which is his lowest since 2020, which was not only shortened, but it was right off his rookie season. And, and the Toronto Blue Jays were in Buffalo. A whole different story. His defensive rating is the lowest of career. A rough negative 20.6 rating. His power seems to be down a little bit. His home run to fastball ratio is down to 13%, four points lower than what it was last year, five from his MVP caliber season in 2021. And he is just struggling to hit the breaking ball this year. He has the lowest slider runs above average of his career, negative 2.6. The average is straight zero for the league. This is... Rough numbers for a guy who, like Abreu, was an MVP candidate just two years ago. And he slowed down a little bit last year, but he was still great. But he has just not lived up to the billing this year. The Blue Jays need a true star. They have Bo Bichette, who is great. They have George Springer, who is great. They have Kevin Gosman on the mound, who is great. But not a true MVP candidate. That's what Vladdy is supposed to be. That's the guy who's supposed to get Toronto over the hump in this division and push them into the playoffs. And right now, they're just sitting at the edge of the wild card because of just a lack of a true star. That's what Toronto needs. That's what they needed out of Guerrero, but he has just not stepped up. Okay, the next guy. Hate to talk about him like this because he is on my favorite Minnesota Twins. But it is just true. Carlos Correa has been a true disappointment this year. This goes for both of Minnesota's stars. I say that in quotations. Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton. 
I leave Buxton out of this because he's been injured the whole year, but he has been a disappointment this year. But Correa has been on the Twins the whole year. I don't think he's gone on the injured reserve yet, which is great for him. He was stuck on the injured list plenty of times in past years, but this year he's there, but he is just not doing great as the Twins shortstop. He has the lowest offensive rating of his career at negative 10.6. He has 29, I'll say it again, 29 ground into double plays on offense. There's a chance that he hits the MLB record of 36 double plays grounded into. That was set by Jim Rice 40 years ago. He has a chance to do history and not, not in a great way. This is taking the Twins out of scoring situations. I've watched plenty of Twins games, and there's just so many times where runners on second, runners on first, runners on third, ground ball, and he's over. Carlos Correa, thank you so much. He is just taking the Twins out of good situations. His negative 1.06 clutch rating is also the lowest of his career. Rough numbers for a guy who needs to help the Twins into the playoffs. They're at the top of the AL Central. They look to keep that. But Correa needs to step up. He has been taking a slight heater lately. 343 average and a 172 runs created plus since September 1st. Good numbers for this month. August, though, was rough. July and Late June were pretty bad. If the Twins can get their everyday shortstop, Carlos Correa, in a true star role like his contract is supposed to be, the Twins, they have a chance in the postseason to do something. Maybe get their first win in however many years. 2002? Yikes. I think Carlos Correa has a chance, if he picks it up, to bring the Twins past the wild card at least but he needs to get out of his season-long slump as said by beat reporter Aaron Gleeman we're gonna head down to Los Angeles we talked about the Angels a lot on this podcast but this is such a weird story but it is a disappointing player Anthony Rendon has only played 43 games this year Because of injury. But his contract leaves the Angels in such a poor spot because of this. A seven-year, $245 million deal after his 2019 season where he won a ring with the Washington Nationals. This year, he has a .081 isolated power rating, his lowest since 2016. And he's just... In the games he's played, he has looked awfully lazy. He has the highest called strike rate since 2016 in his career, an 18.7%, four points higher than the average in the league. He has a pretty low defensive rating, sitting at negative 15, and that's just in 43 games played. Not only that, he only played 42 games last year. He has not lived up to the billing for his contract. Which leads it to some speculation that Anthony Rendon is check chasing, which is 
a rough argument. It's pretty bad to spit that onto the player, but it might be true here. Because of just how he has left the Angels unstable at third base. They brought in, the Angels brought in Gio Urshela earlier this year, but he got injured, so the Angels are just kind of left with nothing. And Rendon was supposed to fill that gap. He was supposed to be that gap three years ago, but he has done nothing. It's just, it's rough to see for the Angels as Rendon leaves Los Angeles without a good future. Rendon is over 35 years old. I'm going to move to a player that is a rookie. So it's hard to be disappointing your rookie year. But Grayson Rodriguez of the Baltimore Orioles was the highly touted, the best pitching prospect coming into the year. And he has just not lived up to that. A 4.8 ERA in 20 starts and a 5-4 and record. But that record is kind of deceiving. In those 20 starts, Baltimore has lost 12 of them. Weird, rough numbers, I should say for a starter that was supposed to be one of the best in the minors coming into this year. A 3.4 walk per nine. He is struggling to keep the ball in the strike zone. And he's only influencing a 12% soft hit rate. Grayson Rodriguez has a great pitch mix. He has a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, a killer slider, a nice little changeup, and some good secondary pitches as well. But that was in the minors. This year, in the majors, his fastball is already down to 97, and the balls are still getting hit hard off of him. His fly ball rate is 5% higher than it was in the minors. He's just allowing way too many hard hits, giving up a lot of home runs, and that is what is leading Grayson to struggle in the major leagues. The Orioles this year, they've been great, exceeding expectations. I'll talk about them next week for sure. But they need a true ace. Their starting pitching rotation, Kyle Gibson, Kyle Bradish, John Means, who was injured. It's not incredible, and they look to Rodriguez to get their ace. But he has not been that for the Orioles. If he can live up to that down the stretch, the Orioles will have a fun time in the postseason. That's for sure. But he has struggled so far, and he needs to pick it up in the last stretch of September. All right. The final player I want to talk about before we head into the teams that have been disappointing. Such a crazy story. Alec Manoa, going back to Toronto. Where do you even start with him? He was a Cy Young candidate not three years ago, not two years ago, last year. And right now he's pitching in the minors. He has a 5.89 ERA in the majors this year and 19 starts. A negative 0.4 wins above replacement. He has a walk per nine of six. 6.08. One of the highest in the league in terms of starting pitchers. He cannot control the baseball. I don't know if it's the yips, which would be tragic. I don't know if he just has a 
different confidence issue, but he is just plainly bad. Bad. He has a 44.4% hard hit rate, one of the highest in terms of starting pitching as well, and only a 37% ground ball rate. The average ground ball rate for starting pitchers is 45%. Eight points lower before that, Alec Manoa. I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's a confidence issue. He's throwing the fastball 3% less than he did last year, and he is just like struggling to spot his pitches. He has a great sinker, a pretty good slider, but this year he has just has not been able to pull it together. He technically should be worse as well. His expected ERA right now is 6.5, and he's only 0.7 points above that, or below that, I should say. Just rough numbers. When the Blue Jays really need a second starting pitcher, Kevin Gosman, I said earlier when I was talking about Vladdy, Kevin Gosman has been great. He has been very good. But other than that, the Blue Jays are stuck with Chris Bassett, who has been up and down. Hanjun Ryu, who has just come back off the injured list. And a couple of rookies. That's it. And Manoa was supposed to be not only a Cy Young candidate this year, just the Blue Jays' number two. Exactly what the Blue Jays need right now, especially going into the playoffs. He's not there. His value in terms of money, according to Fangraphs, has gone down $30 million. $30 million. Shohei Otani is projected to get $40 to $50 million a year. Alec Manoa could have gotten money close to that. And he has just not lived up to any of his billings. Just not only sad, it's rough, it's disappointing. Probably the most disappointing player this year, just in terms of everything. Let's move on now to some of the most disappointing teams this year, starting with the San Diego Padres. The expectations for these guys have been through the roof, and they have not done anything. Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts are all, if you're counting past years, some of the four best players in the MLB. They're on one squad, and they are still under 500 this year. They have the third highest payroll in Major League Baseball, and these stars have just not made a difference. For the whole team, every qualified hitter on this offense is under a 275 batting average. Soto and Machado, two of the best hitters of the group, are under 250. This team is just straight up letting down the amazing pitching staff on the squad. Blake Snell may as well be the Cy Young at this point. He's got a couple weeks to go, but he is in the leaderboard. He's on top. He certainly has a chance because he has the lowest ERA in the big leagues. Speaking of lowest ERA... This Padres pitching staff has the lowest team ERA in the Major League Baseball League. This is a great pitching team. They have the highest 
run differential outside of any playoff team. For a team that's under 500, sitting 10 games under, this team has an amazing pitching staff. If they were in the postseason, I would peg them in for at least a couple wins just because of these pitchers. However, the offense is garbage. It's garbage. And they have four of the best offensive players in the league. What what else are you going to ask of these guys other than to hit? They have not hit this year. If they want a chance next year, because they're not making it this year, the offense needs to step up. The offense needs to at least start hitting and backing up this pitching staff that has poured their heart into the season, and they're going to get nothing out of it. Blake Snell especially. It's weird to see a Cy Young outside of a playoff team, and yet that will happen with Blake Snell. This team was projected to be in the wild card, first or second seed, but at least make the playoffs. They will not do that this year. That is why they are so disappointing. Moving to another high payroll, the New York Mets have the highest payroll in the MLB. These stars have also not stepped up, but in a different case than the Padres. Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, as well as in the start of the season, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, two of the guys who are taking up the biggest spot in this payroll, they are no longer on the team. Verlander and Scherzer. Eduardo Escobar and Mark Canna are also on different teams. That is how bad this season has gone. The prospects haven't stepped up like the Mets thought they would. Brett Beatty has not produced. He was going to step into the third base role, but that is unsure now. DJ Stewart is a questionable addition. It's just a weird team to watch because of how much expectation was placed on at the start of the season because of their great rotation and stellar offense. The only person who has truly produced this year is Pete Alonso. He has hit 40 home runs as well as missing a month. But he has been he has been pretty good. Their only injury is closer Edwin Diaz, which is a shame that it happened during the World Basic Baseball Classic in March. But even then, this team is bad. The defense that the Mets are putting up is atrocious. It's atrocious. A negative 24.6 defensive rating as a squad. One of the worst in the league. Some people are calling this the most disappointing team of all time. I I think that's a little bit of a stretch. But the payroll stance, that it's a good take. The Mets were projected to finish in the top wildcard spot this year under the Braves. Some were projecting them to finish top spot in the division. That will not happen. They will miss the playoffs this year. Maybe next year, if they can ramp up their minor league system again, maybe they'll have a chance. But if it looks like it does this last year, they will not be good. They will not be good at all. Moving over to the AL Central, let's look at the Chicago White Sox. I talked about them in the very first episode of this podcast when we were talking about some hot and cold streaks. The White Sox were on a cold streak, but if we're being honest, Chicago has been on a cold streak all year. It's apparent that none of their players are good right now. Luis Robert is the only good player on this team. The only good one. 
Liam Hendricks maybe, but he's been out practically the whole season. Both sides of this baseball team, hitting, defense, pitching, all three, are some of the worst I've seen. I don't even know if the athletics match how bad this is. I think the records just got weird. They have a negative 100 offensive rating, which is one of the worst this century, and a negative 30 defensive rating, which is one of the worst this year, topping, or I guess being lower than the Mets. The pitchers on this team carry a 4.9 ERA, bottom five in the American League. There is just no juice for the Chicago White Sox team. The good players on their offense, Benintendi, Eloy Jimenez, Elvis Andrews, Yohan Mancada, they're all below a 275 batting average. The only good person, I said this at the top of this, the only good person on this team is Luis Robert. Even he's cooled off as of late. He's hitting 250 in the last three weeks. Maybe it's the new coach. They just hired Ollie Marmol, but his decisions have been pretty dreadful. Not a lot of good to come out of the head coach even coming off of one of the worst head coaching stints in Major League Baseball history in Tony La Russa. This has been bad. The White Sox were projected to finish second in the AL Central. Some were projected to win the AL Central over the Guardians, over the Twins. This division has been pretty bad, but it doesn't really get worse than this White Sox team if you look at it from just playing baseball. They have already been eliminated from the playoffs. We still have 25 games to go, and they've been eliminated. That's a bad mark on par with the Rockies, the Athletics, the Royals. This is rough, to say the least. Moving on to another central team, this one in the National League. The St. Louis Cardinals were projected to finish second in the NL Central this year, maybe vie for a postseason spot, but this team has just gone down the gutter this year they had two mvp finalists last year one of them won paul goldschmidt won the mvp award and nolan arenado finished in the top three of voting but apparently it just doesn't make a difference this year something changed i don't know the prospects that were highly touted to come into the system this year have not made a difference at all jordan walker a third base and outfielder He has a 180 isolated power rating and a negative 20 defensive rating. Mason Wynn, one of the best arms in the minor leagues, has a 147 batting average as a shortstop. He has made little contribution to this club after coming up from the minor leagues just a month ago. Nolan Gorman, one of the best hitting prospects they had, has struck out in 35% of his head-bats. One of the highest marks of any rookie. This team, I'm, this team's offense, this team's just juice has not been there for almost the whole season. It doesn't help that the rotation has been just awful. Super bad. Matthew Liberatore, Steven Matz, Dakota Hudson, Miles McCullis have all performed worse than they did last year when they were all league average at least. Adam Wainwright, a 41-year-old pitcher who 
probably should have retired last year. He has an 8.19 ERA in 20 starts this year. Just sad to look at. If the prospects on this team can catch up to MLB speed, if Nolan Gorman can lower his strikeout rate, if Jordan Walker can start hitting the baseball again, and if Mason Wynn can make a higher contribution to this offense, they'll be good next year, I think. I think they'll be pretty good. But they need to up their rotation. They need to fix their prospects. And they need to get Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado back to an MVP level, which they were last year. The final team I want to talk about is the New York Yankees. This Yankees squad, it's almost funny to watch him crumble this year. The pitching on this team is still pretty good. Garrett Cole is a Cy Young finalist, and there is a chance he will win it this year. They've got a good bullpen and a solid back of the rotation. Nestor Cortez especially has been good over the past couple of years. But this offense has just fallen off a cliff. Aaron Judge is the only continuously good player on this offense this year. Giancarlo Stanton has been getting old. He's still hitting bombs on offense, but his defense is still not great. They never settled the left field dispute, which they had at the start of the year. They were going in between Aaron Hicks, who isn't on the team anymore, and Oswaldo Cabrera, who has struggled over the past couple of weeks. And their young stud, I just talked about last week, Yasan Dominguez, he has already gone down with a torn UCL, and he'll be out until late next season. So that's a dud for them, which sucks because he was doing great. If they can settle the left field position and finalize their outfield, maybe get an extra back of the rotation starter, maybe they'll be good next year. But it is tough in this division, especially with the Orioles on the rise, the Rays perking up, and the Red Sox still fighting. This division is great. And if the Yankees don't make big improvements, I don't see him winning it. I don't even see him making the playoffs because of how stacked this division is. Just a disappointing year for this Yankees squad. All right, that wraps up my disappointing list this year. Next week, I'll be back, and I'll be talking about some surprise players getting the good side of baseball this year. Some players and teams that have come out of the woodworks and surprised the league, taking them truly by storm. Thank you for listening to episode four. I cannot wait to see you again next week. Thank you so much.